Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us for the final hour. Outkick 360 Wednesday edition is here. The entire crew making it happen, always doing a great job. Coming up, Chad, you've got some NIL news, some rankings for NIL programs across college sports that are really jumping in full speed and taking advantage of the rules that are in place or not in place. Yeah, on three sports put together a top five most ambitious NIL collectives in all of college sports, mainly college football. Uh, I want to have a discussion on the fact that this list even exists, that we are now talking about the most ambitious collectives in college sports and what that means for the future of college sports. We'll discuss soon. The international series of games have been announced by the NFL. Five overseas games uh, for 2022. That much we knew. We also knew the home opponents. And now we know the full matchups starting in week four, and it runs all the way through week 11 of the upcoming season. So starting first week of October, the first game day of October, leading through... Uh, week 11, which is just before Thanksgiving. Vikings and Saints are going to play in London. The That's Packers a- in London against the Giants. Jags in London at Wembley Stadium against the Broncos. So Russell Wilson will play in London. Buccaneers and Seahawks in Munich. And Cardinals 49ers in Mexico City, which all the, um, all the national writers were saying that was the big matchup that they wanted. They, they, so what they were want Germany to, and Mexico City? Germany is uh, Tampa Bay, Seattle, yeah, and no, Mexico City is Arizona, San Francisco. That's the best game, uh, easily, of those. And that's the, that's the marquee matchup that everyone was really paying attention to because that's the next market. If you go back to the, the teams that wanted to bid for rights in international markets, yeah. Everyone wanted to be in Mexico, or not everyone. I think the, the vast bit, nine or ten teams placed a bid to be able to market in Mexico. San Francisco and, and Arizona were two of them, and they'll meet head-to-head in Mexico City at Estadio Azteca. I am most that interested was the altitude. in... Not altitude. That was the stadium that the turf wasn't ready. What was going on there? Was it two years ago when they yeah, played? There was and something. There was, there was a miserable... That canceled yeah, it. It there was, was a COVID... COVID time, too, I think. Yeah, but no, there was had nothing to do with COVID. No, it wasn't COVID. It was pre-COVID. Then. It, it was, was stadium issue or turf issue, issue with that stadium. Yeah, it was turf. One of them. I'm most interested in venue in Munich uh, in terms of we've seen games in Mexico right. yeah, before. New, I mean, I, I want to see the new – I want to see what an NFL game in Munich, Germany looks like. That's what I'm most interested in seeing. Forget two, about the matchup. The first two games will play played at uh, the Hotspur uh, Stadium in London and the Jags will play at Wembley. And that's um, the first at Tottenham Hotspur, right? Because I think COVID the other one crashed, canceled them out. Crashed their their problem, and that's a, a 
stadium that has rollout um, stuff. I think Tottenham plays on grass, but the NFL will play on turf to not ruin Tottenham's grass. And they're playing back-to-back weeks there in October. Again, that's Saints, Vikings, Packers, Giants, and then the third game, Broncos, Jags. Week eight is that matchup at Wembley Stadium. Um, Coming off of the NFL draft, here are some topics, some headlines that – Seem to be plenty, there's plenty of discussion about it, but if you actually think about what these reports are saying, if you buy into them, let's dive a a layer deeper on what it actually means, both this year and then moving forward. And we'll start right here in Nashville and then scatter out to some other bigger topics across the league, starting with Malik Willis, who's drafted in the third round by the Tennessee Titans. Um, He's either number one or number two in terms of value for player and talent versus where the Titans drafted him and the situation that he enters. If you look at any metric by which that pick is being measured, uh, it's been a home run pick surveyed by the draft analysts. If Malik Willis is, in fact, as good as the post-draft hype says he is, he's the starter in 2023, week one. You guys buy into that or no? I say fact. I think that's absolutely the case and and the plan, that if he – delivers on the prospects of what everyone thought he was coming into this draft, or at least people that watched him. Um, Obviously, the league didn't feel that way because he went in the third round and not a first-round pick. But if he develops, yeah, I think he's the opening day starter in the 2023 season. I don't think he's got much of a chance at all to be a starter this year unless there's an injury to Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think that the Titans would be foolish not to find a way to get him involved with some plays in some games, but I think he's the starter in 2023. I say fact, but it's a big if, if he's as good as the pre-draft hype. I I say more if he develops as the Titans envisioning him develop. I want to throw out really what the analysts say because what the analysts are doing is measuring where he was drafted against where they thought he was going to be drafted. Well, let me give you an example. By the way, I want to clarify also, in case you're watching, Malik Willis starts week one, 2023. Right, a year from now. And and in terms of that. But if you're seeing that, know know that we're not talking about this year. Let me change it, Hutton, to where the Titans envisioned him. So the Titans saw him at 86, moved up from 90, and said, to us, this is a great value. So based on their expectation for him, if they, if they can develop him as they should a year removed for a third-round pick, then he should be their starter in 2023. I, and not just that, Ryan Tannehill should be out the door. I, I can tell you exactly what's about to happen. He's about to throw football uh, at rookie minicamp. That will then go head-to-head with Tannehill, and he's going to look pretty good. He's then going to get a majority of the snaps during the preseason games. And locally, all of this spin about how Tannehill's the guy, the minute he faces some adversity, there's for the first time, there's going to be a clamoring for the backup quarterback. Matt Miller has already said, whenever he starts throwing the football at practice, everyone standing around watching will be asking themselves, this guy throws a football better than Tannehill does side by side. Right. Well, that's great. He throws the ball better than Tannehill does. You know side exactly by side, where this turns into. When when is the last time? When's the last time we've had two quarterbacks in town where you've where you've had the the debate about who the guy is and and whether or not he poses any threat to the starter? Well, it was Mario to Tannehill. Yes, but 
We're smarter than this. He throws the football very nicely. He can't read a defense, anything like what he's going to see. Apparently, Ryan Tannehill can't either, based on that first throw of the postseason. Well, he game. played terribly in that game, but he also was good enough for them to win 12 regular season well, that games. That means nothing. It does mean something. I mean, it means he got team. them in position to lose a playoff game. Malik Willis is so far from being an NFL starting quarterback right now. That's why he's a third-round pick. And I don't think there's going to be any debate this year unless Ryan Tannehill falls on his face. So based I, I, on that, Paul, Desmond Ritter is so far from being a starter. Desmond Ritter's team. on a terrible team. He's a third-round pick. He's on a terrible I'm team. Using, he's a third-round pick. Well, I'm telling you the difference. If a third-round pick gets drafted on a terrible team, he's likely to play. If he gets drafted on a team that was the number one seed in the AFC, he's unlikely to play. Uh, a year from now, though, he could play. You're saying a year from now, if they're if Ryan if Tannehill they, means so much to this team, a year from now, the third-round quarterback could play. Look, you go ahead and, and start him and buy into the hype. Ryan Tannehill's bad in the playoffs. He's not that bad during the I'm regular not, season. I'm not going to well, carry the water for the Titans who are going I'm to act like... I'm not carrying the water for the Titans. Her acting like this is no big deal. But don't don't they, pretend they have, like I carry have, the water have for answered, the Titans. They have, they have answered the question about if they're thinking about post-Tannehill by drafting this guy. Sure. And we're talking about post-Tannehill. We're talking about 2003 when I said he should start. But the idea that he's going to replace Ryan Tannehill at some early stage of this season or this season... Is, is silly because they're probably going to be winning football games just like they did last year with him. If he comes out and plays like he did against Cincinnati or like he did against Houston a year ago in the regular season, how quickly does that tone change, though, Paul? Or will it, in, in your opinion? It I'm saying not. if they come out early and he looks the same way, if he's got multiple interceptions in an early game, if they're 1-2 and two to start the season with this tough schedule coming up, or 1-3... and three, that's, that's too early. I, I don't... I, I don't, think there's, I don't think there's any way the Titans are going into the season planning for Malik Willis to be the starter this season. But if they get off to a rough start, and most importantly, if Tannehill gets off to a bunch of interceptions and a bad start, the conversation in this town is going to shift quickly. You know What, what, what kind of start is Derrick Henry off to? Well, well, Henry last year was just fine. Other than week one, he was just fine. He was bad in the playoff game, too. I mean, they, they shut him down. I mean, that's, that's fair. The, the more emphasis is put on Tannehill to win the game because for a second straight year, a defense decided we're not going to let Derrick Henry do anything. Uh, and they did that with Baltimore the year before, and they did that in that game. Yeah. Um, look, that, well, I'm that's, saying in the regular season, if they're playing the kind of football they want to play, the question is as much about Henry as it is about Tannehill because Tannehill's a suppl supplemental piece about that. Is Traylon Burks any good? Because he's going to need to be good for either quarterback to, to be. Well, I just, but I don't, I don't, is but Robert not, Woods back? But you're not. But there's so much more on. This is what we get into with the quarterback position. Right. And being a leader. Those are not equal. If Derrick Henry gets off to a slow start, it doesn't matter. Because Ryan Tannehill. If Derrick Henry gets off to a slow start, it means Ryan Tannehill can't screw it up for the Titans. Because he's going to be asked to pass more, essentially. And if he screws it up, I don't care if it's the bad route. I don't care if it's a tip ball, whatever the case may be. It's on Tannehill just like it was against Cincinnati in the playoffs. I'm not saying he's going to come out and play equally as bad as he did in that game because he was terrible. And he was good at times last year. He's also bad at times during the regular season. The Houston game is one that pops out where he was awful in that game. If he has, let's say, two of the first four games where he's bad, I do think there's going to be a lot more discussion about the guy we haven't seen. Who's the guy that's come from Wells? a Liberty-caliber school 
and shown something in the first half of his first NFL season as a quarterback. Joe Flacco? Uh, ben Roethlisberger was good his rookie year out of Miami of Ohio. Um, I'm trying to think more recently. Small list. Small uh, list. Uh, who's, who's a wide receiver turned quarterback that's been a starter oh, in the league? Uh, I mean, that, that's Carson also Wentz. a small list. Wasn't Carson Wentz in his rookie year? Yes. Out of North Dakota State? I mean, it happens a lot now. A lot more recently. I, I just uh, – what they've done is started the conversation and allowed the conversation to, to boil underneath the surface. Yeah. That, that, if that, you drafted a quarterback this year, it's going to happen. What, that's what happens. And, and you know, you, w- that's why I paused the conversation last Friday whenever we're previewing day number two saying, oh, they, they, these guys love Tannehill more than what you guys think they do. And I'm like, well, let's – Let's wait until the draft is complete to determine that. Well, don't tell me I'm carrying water for the Titans because I I'm think just not Ryan gonna, Tannehill's going to be the starting quarterback this year. No, not starting quarterback this year. Uh, the, the fact that, that Malik Willis can't show up and perform at a level that starts the conversation sooner than 2023. I believe, um, that they, I believe they have opened that door absolutely. And I refuse to just say that the, this guy's being brought in as just He's just a backup and will be treated like Logan Woodside. That's complete false. I do believe Mike Vrabel. I, I don't – it's impossible to believe any NFL organization at all times, especially now that the Titans basically flat-out lied to people in media sessions here recently. We know that now. I do believe Mike Vrabel when he says it's kind of the default setting for him, but, I mean, everyone comes into camp competing for their spot. Everyone that comes here is, is competing for a starting spot. I think Mike Vrabel does operate that way mentally. Now, do they have a plan? And does that plan mean that Ryan Tannehill's the starter this year and probably gone after this year? Yes. I think that's the plan right now, but that plan could change based on how Malik Willis looks and how Ryan Tannehill looks. I don't see Ryan Tannehill with all this storm around it and everything else being the guy that's like an Aaron Rodgers type that gets the controversy going and gets people against him and it only charges him up to get a second-trade MVP. And it pisses him off, and he plays well because of it. Tannehill's not that type of guy. We've never really seen it, though. I I feel like Tannehill needs that comfort, though, of being the guy. Well, the comfort gets them only so far. Again, 12 regular season wins mean absolutely nothing to this franchise now. I don't want him to be comfortable. Great. You've you've had six consecutive winning seasons. Let me me reiterate. I don't want him to be comfortable. Raise a banner for that if you want to. I would love for Tannehill to be the guy that takes all this, and it fuels him because people have been against him now, and he's going to go out there and show everyone – I'm going to be awesome, and either this team is going to keep me with this contract or I'm going to go shine somewhere else. Yeah, we've not I don't seen think him. he's that type of guy. We've not seen him in those circumstances, no. so we're going to find out. I mean, the last time we saw him in a legitimate competition was against Matt Moore in Miami, and that wasn't much of a competition. You know, um, the, only, the only time that they were chanting for Matt Moore in Miami is when Jay Cutler was the quarterback. Yeah. Um, so... I, I just I'm I'm intrigued to see how this storyline progresses because it's it's out of the bag that they are looking for the first time we're seeing how they are viewing the roster post Tannehill Henry Lawan AJ Brown Lawan you're seeing how they're trying to piece it together and the offense doesn't necessarily look in the same mold and structure as the one we're just witnessing firsthand now Malik well, that's Willis the thing is I'm not most Tannehill. curious about is how much will they revise the offense. I think they're smart enough to know they have to for him. How far will they go? 
Um, uh, yes. Jay yes. Carey in the chat, by the way, brings up a good name to compare Malik Willis to uh, coming from a smaller program, Josh Allen. There you go. Who started right away for the Bills. Yeah, that's a good one. Wasn't great. You know, he had some of the uh, inconsistency with accuracy early on with the Bills, but worked out pretty well. But also, I, I question well. how good were the Bills when he took over there. They didn't have a, if I'm remembering who, who the alternative was, I think the door was wide open. I, I'm just no longer positive how good the alternative is for the Titans based on his decline because there was decline last year. There was the decline. previous year. And, and, and there was decline, and in his decline year, they were the best team in the well, NFC I'll, I'll, the regular I mean, season. I'll say it. If that decline continues and they get off to a really bad start, they need to look at Malik Willis this year. I don't think that's going to happen because I think they're talented enough on defense and with Derrick Henry to where they'll avoid just a disastrous start to the season, and he'll be okay for this year. It's but a, that, it's that, needs to be, that needs to be an option. It's an interesting tightrope where, uh, and I'm going to write about this for OutKick, uh, they, they are trying to walk the tightrope of looking for the future while winning now. And the other AFC teams are, other than Kansas City, more short-term focused than long-term next regime. Now, next player regime, I'm saying. This is trying to do both um, and win at the same time, it also which feels is extremely like, tough to do. It also feels like they're at a different – we need to look at it more closely maybe, but they're at a different spot age-wise. They're a little bit – Well, they're uh, old uh, and expensive. Older and more further down the road than a lot of these other Yeah, I mean, they're old teams. and expensive. They're kind of in a unique the spot. spots. Yeah, but they're kind of in a unique spot. It's okay Nobody be, else is, is the same age-wise, expensive-wise. Yeah. And, and it's Most okay. teams are younger – and not as far along. Well, they're either younger at quarterback or the other teams that are expensive at quarterback, they're expensive because the team has invested long-term in them, and it's not a short-term window, 2022 specifically for Tannehill, where you know in, in Buffalo, in Kansas City, um, to some extent in Vegas, they, they, they know they've got the – the piece in place and they can structure everything around the quarterback here. That's, I mean, the structure is going to happen where they can spend more because Tannehill's off the books, not on it. Yep. And, it, and it's, it's a, again, it's a weird tightrope that they're now headed towards. They're also different in being more run focused than anybody. They, yeah. They're an anomaly in a lot of ways. Baker Mayfield will be released, not traded. This, this comes up because of the discussion and, Ultimately, the decision that Carolina made, they were in talks with Cleveland and came to the determination they'd rather have Matt Corral on the rookie deal than pay the portion of the contract that they would have had to pay in exchange for trading for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Cleveland didn't want to pick up the part of the contract that Carolina wanted them to, so they went with the rookie instead. Ultimately, is this going to mean that Cleveland's either going to have to pay him to get something in return next year, like a seventh-round pick, pay his salary in the trade, or they're going to cut him altogether and eat whatever it would count against the cap? They are going to have to pay him. I think it is it, the, the hay is out of the barn right now just keep on, him? on Baker Mayfield. They're, they're, going to have to do, they're going to have to do something financially to where it's not just – Trade and someone pick up the Baker Mayfield salary. It's we're past that point now. Oh, we've been. This past is that the this is time. the league saying you're going to have to pay some of this, or you're going to release him and eat it, and then we'll sign him 
for a smaller contract. Well, the, that's where this is headed. The league believes they're going to cut him, right? Yes. But the league believes do, that by doing this, they're going to have to cut him. Yeah, but I don't think anybody really wants him even then. I think what you do is uh, you. Which I don't understand like, it seems for the like, life of me. It seems like they can afford to have him right now. So you hold them until somebody gets hurt. And then you, you get something and some salary relief. I mean, you for know, him. it's Still just not a lot. I mean, you're paying him, what, seven, 18, eight. 18? You're paying him 18. You know you're not going to use him. Like, the backup is Jacoby Brissett. Even if Watson gets hurt, you're not going to use Baker Mayfield. So I don't know why you wouldn't, instead of paying him 18, you wouldn't just pay 10 and get a draft pick in return. Almost pay $10 million well, I think they're willing the to pick. do that. They didn't do that. This, they didn't want to pay that much. That's what, Car- that's what Peter King was saying. No, I that, think that, you're at that, that Carolina point. wanted more um, attention to the salary on Cleveland's end, not the draft pick, the salary. And Cleveland wasn't willing to do it. Well, I don't know why, uh, how they thought it was going to change in their favor. Maybe the reason they thought it was going to change in their favor is somebody gets hurt and is desperate and then has no choice. But I would hold on to him now. If you can keep him under your cap, hold on to him until somebody gets hurt. That's your last best chance to deal him most advantageously for a return and for some salary relief. Question number three, uh, and this comes up because everyone for the first time agrees that the Jets crushed the draft. They were awesome with their selections. They got it right. It made sense. Which should make Jets fans nervous. Maybe. maybe. (laughs) Everyone loves it. Um, And and Paul, this is part inspired by Paul, who, you know, was saying, hey, this is the the Jets now could compete with the Dolphins and the Patriots for the second best team in the AFC East. And that may well be the case based on the young quarterback that they have and the pieces around him. On paper, the Jets come out of the draft a better team than the Dolphins. Fact or fiction? If we're talking right now, I'm saying fiction. If we're talking back half of the season slash 2023, I think it's fact. Mm. I think right now today the Dolphins are still the better team in that division. I could see that quickly changing, though, as we get into late autumn or into the next year because the Jets now, there's no way around that roster but to look at it and say, boy, they've got some really good young pieces. What do you think, Paul? And if these draft picks are as good as we think, they're going to be really good pretty quickly. Which quarterback do you like better? Which coach do you like better? Don't know about Mike McDaniel yet, though I like the idea of him. I don't like either quarterback, but I really don't like Tua. Um, so I'll go ahead. I'll go with the Jets. I, see, I, I like Zach Wilson. I think – I think uh, – I think the Jets could finish the season the way the Dolphins did this past year, right? They could come together there. Right now, I buy the Dolphins on paper because of their defense. Probably better defensively. Um, I I know for a fact that they're better uh, run defense. The the Jets' run defense, to me, still has a lot of question marks because right now they have Sheldon Rankins, who is a much better pass rusher than he is against the run. Um, and he's next to Quentin Williams. But other than that, there's not much there on run defense. I, I think early in the season, they've got to they've got to find more answers in that department. And I think on paper, I think the Dolphins are better because of their defense. But that doesn't mean over the course of the season the Jets don't end up meshing and gelling well to where they finish the season much like the Dolphins, a game or two right out of playoff contention. And ultimately, that could mean second place in the East or tied for it. Yeah, I mean, the division after the Bills isn't good. 
It hasn't it isn't proven, let's say. That's for sure. We'll hit some other topics uh, around the draft coming up later in the week. Um, coming up, though, NIL. And big money. Big money. And there's some surprises on these collectives, these groups that have formed the name, image, likeness departments, the de facto departments, as I call them, for college athletics. That's next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for being with us. So there are some big money ballers across the college landscape, specifically college football. But athletic departments in general, if you embraced NIL last summer, those departments, for the most part, are reaping the rewards right now because they're in the game. And they can adjust to whatever regulations, or lack thereof, come to the NIL scene in the months or years to come with all of this. A lot of this is being discussed now. Chad, you... uh, I know you saw from On3 and others, um, there's been a lot of discussion about the collectives involved here. Explain the collectives definition and how we're seeing it at some of the top programs, although not the programs that are necessarily on top of college football right now. I feel like Frank the Tank in old school when he's asked to debate. uh, (laughs) That's how you do it. That's how you debate. To to give the definition. He'll be exhausted after this answer. Yeah, I'm sorry. I blacked out there for a second (laughs) after I give the definition of collective. Best way to describe an NIL collective is it's a trust. You know, a bunch of people put their money into something and uh, think of a mutual fund. Put your money into something, and that something is a treasure trove of finances to help fund talented athletes to go to your favorite school, to go to your favorite program. That, that's, a, that's a collective. Uh, that's what's going on right now with Spire Sports at Tennessee, who on three sports ranked as the most ambitious of the collectives. And that's in large, really probably solely because of the side reports out there that they were behind $2 million a year uh, for a quarterback, a five-star quarterback that's going to Tennessee. Uh, Division Street at Oregon, now, this is one that you've got Nike co-founder Phil Knight behind. 
their number two makes a lot of sense. John Ruiz, who you heard Dan Dockage talk about at Miami, who's a billionaire, uh, owner of a couple businesses, actually multiple businesses, that's giving a lot of his own money to Miami athletes in Texas in the top five. So okay. what does all this mean? All right, if we're looking at the future of not just college football, but let's really keep it with major college football, major college basketball. Is there going to be some sort of seismic shift of powerhouses? Suddenly is because Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Ohio State, if they're not on this list of five or they're not in the top ten, does that mean in the next two or three years they're not going to be a power and they're going to be supplanted by a Tennessee, by an Oregon, by a Texas that's on this list? I think the answer to that is, is no. But here's, and I want your, you guys, your take on this. Here's what I think a strong NIL and an, an ambitious NIL collective can do. I think it can change your fortunes in a hurry mm. for teams. I think if you are really committed to going to the transfer portal and paying top dollar for talent, for an athlete to come into your basketball program or your football program, and you get enough of them, I think you can be nationally relevant in a hurry. Forget about three- to five-year timelines when coaches take a job. If you've got money poured into an NIL collective that is willing to spend, and you embrace that collective, and you're willing to let them spend, you can turn it around quickly. I think we're seeing that right now with Ole Miss, who has been maybe the best team in college football in the transfer portal under Lane Kiffin. They looked like they were going to take a huge step down with everyone they lost this year. Suddenly they get Jackson Dart from USC. They get the top two running backs in the transfer portal, one from TCU, one from SMU. That can change your fortunes quickly. So, guys, I think that Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, the top programs out there, USC, add them to the list. They're recruiting great mm-hmm. under Lincoln Riley. They're not going anywhere. But I think Tennessee, Texas A&M, Texas, and programs that are going to spend, they can flip it quickly to where they get in the conversation. There, well, so in the conversation of college football playoff? Yes. I think that they can get in. They're not going to be Alabama overnight, right? And it takes a combination of coaching and all of that. But I think you can get – let's take Tennessee as an example. All right. Florida, by the way, is also in the top five uh, on this list, or they're at least honorable mention. Um, Tennessee and Florida are now trying to climb to Georgia status in that division. Yep. If you can at least compete with Georgia, you are also competing for a college football playoff spot. Well, I think what you – I don't even look at it as competing with Georgia um, because not every uh, – Texas A&M's doing that. Texas A&M's competing with Georgia and Alabama. That the next tier is where I would tr- I would be aiming for, and if I'm looking long term for the future of college football, what NIL would allow me to do, and I'm with you, you can get you can get better quickly. What uh, NIL would allow my program to do, if I'm not already in the college football playoff now with four teams, NIL allows me to do that with eight, with ten, with twelve, with fourteen. If you start to expand the college football playoff, I'm in it because of name, image, likeness and the collective that I have involved backing my program because we were in it from day one. I'm immediately in that conversation based on the players I'm acquiring. It's not to the same volume as Alabama or Georgia, 
but it's the it's the same type of caliber player that the next tier is competing with, who right. I'm competing with. Florida, for instance. Yeah, but does that change the gap? That that's my question, Chad. I think the teams you're talking about, sure, they're gonna raise their level, but I think Georgia, Alabama, and all of them are also gonna raise their level. So well, there, every, every to me, I don't, I don't think there's change, yeah, there, there's there's no raising Georgia, right? I mean, that's the best you could ever do. They just won a national title. And they're recruiting at a top level every single year, and they just had a record year in the NFL draft. Texas A and M, if Texas A and M maintains their pace from this past year in recruiting, they're Georgia in two years. I mean, they're going to send seventeen guys to the NFL draft, you know, in a, in a few years if they can maintain that. It's a combination of both money that you can give to recruits and players on campus and coaching. I'll also say this, though. This is where I'm, I'm very skeptical about Tennessee or Oregon really competing with these programs. Aren't the best players still going to pick Nick Saban? Yes. Aren't well, the best players still going to pick Georgia? I mean, the Georgia one thing that you've always been and selling. Get, and get paid? The one thing that you've always been selling against them is earlier opportunity, right? If you're going to Alabama, you're going to have to wait. And if you come here... You've got a chance to play sooner, but you haven't been winning based on that. Now, can you win based on that plus NIL? So you're going to get paid and you're going to play sooner. Well, Alabama's going to pay you too, but you're going to have to wait. Does it change the equation at all? It's still equal things, except you're going to have to wait there. And most people have chosen to wait there. I don't think this is the case with with Tennessee and Josh Heupel and the culture that he's trying to build, but couldn't you make the argument that the five-star player that chooses Tennessee or Oregon for the money and doesn't go to Alabama and Georgia for a little bit less money is the five-star that's not made of the right stuff well, and that, that has the biggest bus potential? Again, like I, I wouldn't view it as or Alabama or Georgia. I, I want the five stars to come to me instead of going to the other programs. Like you. Just, well, like Florida, or like or, me, yeah. or what I want to be. Like the next, the next step is the next. It's the top of the SEC East, right beneath Georgia. Um, meaning, like, th- there's a reason why Nick Saban points down, or, or and everyone's pointing to College Station and not pointing to other programs that are all in on NIL. It's because College Texas A&M and their endowment and the money behind it can actually pose a threat to the overall quality of the quantity of five-star, four-star, five-star players that Alabama is pulling in every year, that Georgia's pulling in every year. I think they're okay with Ole Miss getting one guy or Tennessee getting three, right? It's, that doesn't change their situation all that much. Texas A&M threw a dent in that in one year to the likes that we've never seen in these rankings before. So I think there's a different level that they're playing with than what... so. I guess what I'm saying is, Chad, I, I, it wouldn't bother me on the, oh, if they're going to choose Alabama or Georgia over me. How do I get in the conversation of the players that are choosing any other Power 5 program except for me? And well, that, if, if Tennessee can get two more of those players per year instead of the you know, one or two total that they're recruiting, then they're, they're in a different stratosphere. It's no different than finally getting the five-star quarterback that's the top ranked 100 player or whatever on ESPN that they haven't had in a while to commit a year in advance and, and help recruit and pull players your way. Look, I think ultimately what NIL needs to do if you're a power program, it's not auto- automatically going to land you top recruits or land you the guy that you want in every situation, but it can't be the thing that gets you out of the room with that guy. That's, that's fair. 
right? Yeah. It can't be the thing that holds you back from even getting in the conversation with someone. You've got to be in the game. So expectations for these programs. I'll use you know, two, the top two. All right, Tennessee and Oregon. Very different expectations. Oregon's expectation is to be the best Pac-12 program alongside USC. That is realistic for Oregon with the Nike money. Mm-hmm. Now that they have a collective, they can get innovative in how they market with Nike, with guys that come in and endorse Nike, with their football program. Tennessee's goal and expectation is you've got to give more money and be better than South Carolina, who's also, by the way, an honorable mention right outside the top five in what they're paying in NIL. You've got to be better than Kentucky in this, in this game. And you've got to at least be even with Florida if you're going to have a shot. Florida's got a naturally better recruiting area, and you've got to spin with Florida to get players. That's it. Because I'm with you guys. Georgia and Alabama right now aren't realistic for Tennessee, but if you get there with Florida, you're the second-best team in the SEC East at that point. That needs well, to be the goal and that consistently. Means you're, you're a playoff team if you expand to 14. It, that You're means, the second-best team in the SEC East, your playoff team, in that, my eyes. That means... Record-wise, I'm yes. looking at where you would well, stand. You're, you're, you're at not least, playing in the SEC championship game, but you're in. You're at least in the conversation to be you know, a top-15 team, year in and year right. out. Uh, that, that's where you get in that conversation. The problem right now with Tennessee is even second-best in the SEC East, if you play Alabama every year right. and Georgia, right. there's two losses. You better have some really good wins and not lose another one. <laughs> If you want to get in the playoffs, that, that can be your only two losses to even have a chance every but, year. But if you get the right, if you get the right five stars in the right spots, quarterback, running back, which Tennessee's already done for defensive next year. end, um, you, you get the right guys in place. Those guys can single-handedly win you a random Saturday in October. I agree. So, and I also think that with with Tennessee. Now, with what Dan Lanning does at Oregon, it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize this money and what yeah. offense they run. I also think that what Josh Heupel is doing offensively, not a lot of people have really caught up with yet. That may change, but it's still very different. Well, he told us it was going to change. There, it's, still, it's still very different, though, in terms of pace and no one really playing at his pace. They were still the fastest team in the country in terms of snaps. So can that be an equalizer for you as well? I'm excited to see where this goes. I think that when we get into the winter months, we'll talk more about basketball. Basketball, to me, is where you could go from nothing to everything overnight. Yes. You could have someone that just gets singularly focused on men's basketball that says, I'm going to put $4 million into this this year, and you could be a Final Four contender. You could be last place in your conference. If Vanderbilt decided, we're going to spend $4 million on men's basketball players – they would be in the Final Four discussion next year. But they will not decide to do that. They won't, but that's how quickly you can turn the tide. And it's what they should do. Uh, Vanderbilt, to become a known national thing, should be, we've talked about this time and time again, basketball prominent. The brand. And it's got a lot of ingredients that would serve to make it basketball prominent, and that would be the cheapest route. Basketball, football could ride basketball's coattails to a degree, like in terms of, of having some publicity and some good things going on at the university and all of that, but they won't do it. But it also makes the whole, I mean, look, the, the whole thing is already uh, predatorial in terms yeah. of how you get talent. Yep. I mean, 
Iowa State just lost the Big 12 freshman of the year, and he's down to Tennessee, Gonzaga, Kansas, all these places in basketball to go. Tyrese Hunter, who's one of the top point guards in the country. So the programs with more money that have had a little bit more success in Iowa State, who had a nice little run this year in the NCAA tournament, they lose their top player. So then what does Iowa State go and do? I'm going to go get Missouri State's top player because we can pay more than them. Kansas State loses Nigel Pack to Miami. Kansas State is now going in the portal and saying, let's go get Indiana State's guy. Let's go to the Missouri Valley and get someone who wants to step up a notch. It's just this escalator system of guys getting paid over and over again to take one little step forward. And that's going to get old it's for the not, fan. It's not healthy. It's going to get old. It's not a healthy ecosystem. I, I, I agree. And maybe it settles at some point, but fans are either going to get used to this and, and embrace it and like it and still watch, or it's going to be a big turnoff and you're going to see people not care as much. Look, if, if pro sports had constant, perpetual free agency, like every year free agency, would we like it as much? No. That's what this is. Well, that's what... That's what it can be. It, it's, it is that, but it's not to the level that we foresee it becoming down the road without regulation. There needs to be some structure to it. The question is, who's going to determine that? There's a lot of talk about regulation now in NCAA, and they don't have a – I mean, the guy's stepping down. I mean, we, Emmert's stepping down a year from now. But he's going to set it in place? But a all, new guy needs to no, set that in place. Right, but also – it should have all come together. The idea of it and the idea of how to regulate it well, they, should have. But there's come no up, way it happened come so up quick. Come up to escalator the, the, simultaneously. The problem, side though, by is side. they were blindsided by, by the, the Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. Yeah, they lost, and they weren't expecting to lose to that level where they just said, "Hey, come one, come all, do whatever you want." <laughs> Lack of foresight. And now it's exactly. no. You and have that, to expect, exactly. hey, what in the worst case scenario that could happen to us, even though we don't expect it, is what if they say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Oregon could easily be in the Texas A&M realm. Absolutely. But the difference is Oregon with Phil Knight and Nike, everyone points to that. Nike has so many of these contracts with all of these different programs, they cannot play favorites to Oregon. Yeah, Nike's always so, going to trump. Phil, Phil Knight's love of Oregon will always be trumped by the business yeah. of Nike. I mean, they have oil-like money, but they can't use it in the same way to the same stratosphere. Because they have so many partners in college sports. Right. And they so, should still but, find but ways yet, to own the West. But yet, keep in mind, they're still, the they're still there. Hashtag own the West. Oregon Trail. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Like uh, Jerry Jones and the top 14 players according to the Cowboys. We know them. We'll tell you those next on Outkick360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the number one player on the board for the Dallas Cowboys, if they had the number one overall pick and they were just going on best available, the Dallas Cowboys would select Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. That's according to Jerry Jones's sheet <laughs> that he held up at the press conference after they selected 
Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman from Tulsa, where Jerry and the brass sitting at the podium, they were saying, hey, look, guys, we had Tyler Smith ranked ahead of where other offensive linemen who were drafted ahead of him uh, went. Like, we, we would have still selected our guy. We got our guy. And th- to prove that, he held up the sheet. Like, look at this. Here's the sheet. And it was a list of a bunch of players. And what they, what God, they were able to do. I wish everybody did that. Yeah. Uh, he revealed their draft board. I mean, he, and he's done this in, uh, in years yeah. past. Uh, maybe like 12, 13 years ago. Except his son said, get that down. Right, yeah. But Zion Johnson and, and Kenyon Green were drafted ahead of Tyler Smith, and, and he wanted to make a point that they still got their guy. So the Athletic, um, they were able to identify 34 of the 39 names on the paper. And if you believe them, there's nothing to say that they were lying about uh, their, their draft board because, again, they had – they had Tyler Smith ranked ahead of those guys. So if you believe them on that, we should also assume they were telling the truth when they say they had 14 players graded as a first-round pick. So if you do the line of uh, and stop it at 14, here are the 14 first-round eligible players for the Dallas Cowboys. According to the Cowboys. In order. Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, Garrett Wilson, Ahmad Sars-Gardner. Those are your top five players. Derek Steenley at six. Trayvon Walker at seven. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame at eight. Aquanu at nine. And Drake London at 10. Not a crazy board. Here's the remainder of the 14. Jordan Davis at 11. Charles Cross at 12. Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia at 13. And Jamison Williams with the ACL at 14. Think how much it sucks to be drafting... What are they, 23? They were 23. So you're drafting nine spots later. How far down that list is Traylon Burks? I'm curious. 24. They drafted 24. Traylon Burks? Traylon Burks is, as an Arkansas guy for Jerry. He was 23rd on their list. It's a fair list, and I love the moment where he says, hey, we got our list right here. You can see it. And one reason you might like Smith ahead of those guards is because he's tackle. Hit us up tomorrow. Outkick 360, 2 o'clock Central. Do not block the box. Kindly lock your locks.